So it's been a few months since the last time I put out one of these, uh, but I've been working on something a little different and I might have sold out, um, but just a little bit. What's the meme? Podcasters can have a little money as a treat. The Selling Out podcast you know and love is still intact and still can't be bought, but uh, recently I did accept some payment to produce a series with friends of mine in a band called Caspian, who, if you don't know, are an absolutely dynamite post-rock band. They have a new album out called On Circles, and I wouldn't have done the project if I didn't actually really love them and support this new record. And I'm very proud of the way that the podcast came out, actually, so I've decided to run some of that audio on this feed as well. There are four episodes... And one of my conditions on which I agreed to do it was that I could do a selling out style episode where I interviewed the guys about how they make money uh, outside of the band and how their cash flow situation has changed relative to their stature and their popularity and so on and so forth. I'll link to the rest of the episodes if you want to hear it. I'm pretty proud of them. Like I said, the last episode I got to talk to Kyle from Pianos Become the Teeth a little bit and Will Yip, the producer, and Yvette Young from Covet. But in the meantime, here's my selling out style chat with all six members of Caspian. I'd love to know how each of you, you know, keeps the lights on when you're not doing Caspian stuff. Uh, I do some administrative behind the scenes stuff for uh, one of my father's companies. He's kind of an entrepreneurial uh, general guy, and uh, I help him out with one of uh, his projects and now I'm doing I added a side second job with uh, Johnny over here which is a nice little lead into what he does probably yeah. wow, you're uh, good at this <laughs> uh, I've been a, a carpenter for 18 years uh, about now I think and I've got my own business Twin Peaks Woodworks and like Phil mentioned I just had him on the last couple of weeks giving me a hand which has been really incredible because I work alone a lot so it's nice to have somebody else there especially somebody with a uh, same kind of mind. But yeah, I've been doing uh, carpentry and woodworking for quite a bit of time. Just fell into it at around 20 years old, I think, something like that, up in Vermont. Place all your custom furniture orders now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it, lucky to find something that I enjoy doing um, kind of, in addition to the music. kind of so. carved your own path in a way for that. Yeah, right yeah. Now. I worked for a bunch of other companies for a long time, but then um, with, with touring... It just ended up having to be something where I needed to go out on my own just for the flexibility's sake. There's quite a bit of demand for it these days as people go to school more and going into the trades a little bit less. I think it's kind of neat to be on the younger side of that spectrum. You don't see a lot of it. Something I really enjoy. And, you know, I, I get to, you know, we need, you know, some sort of light fixtures for the light show for the band. And, I, you know, I can build the light fixtures or that's cool. Anything like that. So it, it there's ways where the, the music thing and the building can cross over, whether it's like building a studio. I worked on um, Strange Ways Studios up in okay. Vermont uh, a little while ago or a decade ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, relative to yeah. time itself. Yeah. So it's just some. it's, yeah, very lucky to be able to do that. And any, any chance I can get to cross that over with uh, music stuff is, is really pretty cool too. Yanni? I mostly bartend and then I do some freelance photography and design kind of stuff. Do you bounce around a little bit in terms of bartending, or do you have one watering hole? It depends on if we're on tour or not. Of course. To be honest, I mean, like taking off weeks at a time, I've definitely lost shifts at places and, you know. Got to do it. Yeah. Lose gigs, find new gigs. I live in New York, so there's always, there's a bar on every corner, and they're all, and they're all pretty busy. Justin? I 
play in a couple other bands as well. And then beyond no, that, he, I, he said, how do you make money? Not, uh, how, not how do you use more of your time? We can talk about how you spend money. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I thought you said, how, how do you keep the lights on? So I don't, I don't know. I thought you meant up here, not actually physical lights. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's good. Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah, how, nice. do you put, how do you put food on the table? Yeah. Not soul food. Um, no funny I, business. I, ma- I make food. I make pizza specifically. Oh, cool. So I work in the kitchen making pizza. Oh, I've been there. I delivered pizzas, so you and I were part of the same ecosystem for a yeah. while. <laughs> that was my actual first dream job as a kid because I watched a lot of Ninja Turtles, and I was like, if I could be that dude, Kino, no karate <laughs> and deliver pizzas, my <laughs> life would be set. And then I got a job delivering pizzas. I didn't get to do any karate. You have to kind of make your own way in the world, I find. I mean, I had a I, before I was a radio professional, <laughs> I was a mailman. And a lot of people have said, like, wow, that was my dream job growing up, and I have to really burst their bubble. It's yeah. fucking horrible. <laughs> um, Aaron, what do you do? Guitar teacher. You're still in the music biz in a way. Yeah, and then just, you know, like rock bands with kids, like school rock, and I've done some musicals and that kind of thing. So oh, right on. A bunch of random stuff. I actually mixed a record last year. Very nice. And is it like a freelance basis, or do you have, like, one employer. Um, I teach out of a, a school. little school in Beverly called the Fabulous School of Music. Yeah, if you had one word to describe the Fabulous School of Music. It's fab. <laughs> Not even a word. <laughs> Half a word. Calvin? Well, I made a number of financial blunders in my career so far. Right around the same time that we started this band, I bought a house right before the financial collapse. Uh, so kind of sabotaged my touring for a while. Then I also got married and had kids, and that also <laughs> sabotages a lot uh, of Do your... you think they're going to listen to this? Do you think <coughs> you should maybe choose a different word than blunders? Yeah, Cor- Cor is going to be like, so you're calling me a blunder? That's pretty tight, Dad. Uh, not, financially, they're sidesteps, shall we say. They're different. Uh, they're not blunders. Set you on a different path. Yeah, wow, sure. so Cor is so, going to listen to this and be like, wow, I'm just a sidestep. A dad. financial <laughs> sidestep, Dad. No, um, the reason kind of that we're a six-person band is because I don't tour, and we started as a four-person band, and then we started writing music as a five-person band, and then we added another member, and we started writing music as a six-person band, and now we have backing tracks for one another. Is that kind of what got you onto playing weirder stuff like keys and, and like mandolin and whatever else you Yeah, do I mean, I, there's four guys that play guitar, so it gets a little crowded. I mean, even though we listen to each other and make space for each other, it's I just kind of wanted to reinvent what I did and not play guitar. So, uh, But to answer your question, I've kind of stopped touring for the most part. I get out here and there. And so I've been working at Starbucks since 1998. Wow. <laughs> which is 20, Lifer. 21 years ago. So I am a store manager. You got to tend to your shop. In my life, yeah. And do you guys who have non-music jobs, which is most of you, do you like that there's a barrier between work and play, or would you rather be doing music stuff for pay? Uh, I got to think about that, actually. I'm not sure. I I think that I I, I just, I mean, I've tried teaching guitar, and I don't, you know, Aaron is a very, like, he's a master at teaching because he listens very well. He just has a skill set that makes teaching, you know, a really smart smart call for him i do not possess that stuff i tried taking guitar lessons for you know a couple months and i was just too ornery and i was in, just did my own thing so it's really hard for me to transfer that onto someone else i mean if i could run a venue or something or i don't know be involved in maybe anything involving uh, i don't think i'd like to be a booking agent i think that would be kind of rough 
It's um, hard to make friends that way. Yeah. I don't think I'd make a very good manager at all. Um, I've never really thought about it that way. I'm just resourceful. Like I have the thing for my father and then you know, I've done everything from what I'm doing with Johnny to driving airport, taxi, shuttle services and a whole bunch of different stuff that maybe I do want to get away from music when I'm not doing this. That yeah. Might, I mean, I guess, be, I guess yeah. the reason that I ask is because it makes um, an antagonist out of the thing that you really want to enjoy. So was there a point when Caspian was intended to be like the sole source of income? Like I just want to be on the road. I just want to be in the band and like, that's oh, how sure. I make my money. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, any band that, that sets sail on tour, like that's your end game. That's your goal. Like that's sort of your, your true North there. That's the North. That's what you want to, ultimately accomplish i mean have you kind of crunched the numbers to see how far from that you are or like what it would take or i just look at look at my bank account and, you know. <laughs> it's, it's tough out there it's it yeah it's tough out there sure is i think it's that, like I, just incredibly difficult to make a living off of music like especially as a performing artist like i feel like even bands that we would look up to probably don't make as much money as we imagine that they do so we're just on the wrong side of the coin all the money is in weddings it's not a lie, but it's also <laughs> kind of sad. I think it's kind of, it is kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of people are, even fans of our band, are kind of under the the misconception that just because you see a band on tour, that means that they're doing really well or like that's their full time gig. Like, there's been times where I've been bartending where someone will like overhear that I play in a band or something, and they'll they'll be like, "Oh, you playing Caspian?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah," like. What are, what you, are doing? you doing here? And I'm like, I gotta work. I don't know. <laughs> Shouldn't you be at the Ritz Carlton or something? <laughs> like um, dig, digging holes well, in the ground and yeah, someone walks by. Exactly. And they're like, oh, you're oh, yeah, love your new record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, monetizing creativity is like, is one of the hardest things in the world. I mean, music, photography, fine art, you, you name it. I mean, it's just, it's what kills the artist. It happens know. well after you're dead. And the more yeah, honest yeah. you are, then the harder it is to actually make money at it. Right. Probably. So I think we try to, I, I don't know. I, I try to see it from a, again, there's that, there's that balance, that line between sort of you know, chaos and order, so to speak, where I do often wonder, like if we were making a significant amount of money here uh, and this was the full-time gig, uh, what would our records sound like? Uh, what would happen if we fucked something up on stage? You know, would that sort of deflate, like the energy that's still pushing this forward. Now we're not motivated just by like, well, if we just write, write a great record and it sounds good, then maybe we'll be able to like, you know, survive off of this. That's never the thought. Like we, we still want to, we still want to be purveyors of our art form. And it, it's, it's an interesting position to be in because we're not motivated strictly by just making money. Cause that might not be a realistic possibility here. You know, we've got to be honest about that. It could be, who knows, but that's not what's sort of like pushing us forward. You know, the motivating force here isn't like, it's absolutely part of it. I mean, anyone who says it isn't and is on tour is 100% full of shit. But I don't know, I, I think our, maybe this is, sounds, sounds pretentious, but like, I think our records, there's still something underneath the music animating it here that is, man, I was on tour for five weeks and now I'm back behind the bar or, you know, I'm back behind the computer or I'm, you know, banging nails or, or whatever. It's the same trope as like, talking about how comedians stop getting funny when they stop taking the bus you know like once they've yeah, made it exactly like, they get out of touch with what it was that made them funny in the first place mm -hmm. so like so much of what we put into writing music and making music comes from like life experience not like 
good, bad, other, you know, it just, it all is part of self-expression. Our songwriting approach is predicated on what we've done prior. So if we have a song that's like, you know, from the last record, we had Sad Heart of Mine, for example, which is four minutes. Is it even four minutes? Four-ish. We're like, why don't we, why don't we impose that parameter on this and see what happens? Uh, on this, you know, we're always, we're always doing, if we've done this before, let's try not to do it again or repeat that. It's, so it's informed by that much more so than, you know, if this has a, a hook, then maybe we could like sell this to a, a car commercial or we could play it on Jimmy Fallon or something. That's where the real money is. Well, it, it truly is. And we still haven't got one of those. What car commercial would you be in? <laughs> it's the most beautiful car. Luxury. It'd be an ad for my 1999 Toyota 4Runner. <laughs> it's rusting from the inside out. <laughs> on that note, maybe you guys could paint a picture for me of what the early days of Caspian looked like. You were booking your own tours, I'm, I'm supposing, yeah. and um, filling your van's tank out of pocket. Oh, man. Yeah, it was just so different. And, of course, it's so easy to look back on that with, like, you know, rose-tinted lenses, but... I was booking all those tours on MySpace. So we, we first, we did a short tour in 2005 at the end of that year that we went down as far as Pittsburgh. I remember falling in love with touring on the way home from that. I remember being on 95 and it was just, you know, Cal, Vickers, Freddie and I, just no merch guy, no, no one. And one of the, the second van that I had bought, I'd, I bought like four different vans as like my main car. And that was the green monster, I think. That was the best van. Yeah. And I remember... Coming back from Pittsburgh and texting some of my friends who were like, oh, you know, we're out at the bar. You guys have been gone for what feels like forever. We can't wait to have you back. And it was just like, I was listening to that Iron and Wine record, the first one. Creek Jane the Cradle. Yeah, and it just all sort of crystallized like real fast. I was like, this is the fucking best thing ever. Like I just went to some random city, met some cool people. It was great. And then so 2006, we did two extensive U.S. tours, booked all on MySpace. Then yeah, that, we had, that was we had, a, we had a booking agent for our first U.S. tour, and then we made everywhere. You were just networking and connecting with people. Yeah, I mean they they got like pushed aside pretty quick because yeah. they just weren't they weren't busting. Well, we played it. that yeah that house show that we paid money to play basically. Yeah, what that? Oh, that's a story, man. That's, yeah, <laughs> that, maybe for another time, but <laughs> yeah, it was a wild one. Well, we yeah, we we that. did that for 2006. Uh, that was the last year that Cal toured. So then 2007, we did pretty much the same thing. Another MySpace booked tour, full U.S. in the spring, full U.S. in the fall. Aaron came on board to play Cal stuff. So we were still a four-piece at that point. And, you know, Aaron's just such a – he's a bro, and he's a phenomenal musician. So we stayed in the band. And we got Johnny on board to do Cal's stuff so that Aaron was playing his stuff. That's how he expanded into a five-piece. And now, yeah, it was, it was really different. But it was nice. It was wonderful, you know? I feel like every band is out here trying to do it. After enough time, they kind of develop some cost-saving measures, right? Whether it's building bunks into the back of their van so they don't have to get a hotel room or, like, dumpster diving for a meal or, or even something as simple as, you know, practicing at home rather than renting a rehearsal space. Do you have any, any tips to share? Take every last beer and water out of the fridge at every venue, which will save you money the next day. <laughs> Put bottles of liquor on your. Please throw them out them after like five days. <laughs> Justin, you want to talk about the taste case? I think that's one of the. That's an important part of tour for sure. I need hot sauce on tour. Yeah, I know who to go to. I go to Justin. I say, Justin, I let we, me see your taste case. We we all started bringing coffee on tour, and I started bringing hot sauces and spices and a cutting board and knives and a blender. You can in a moving it. van. <laughs> Is it a? 
like a pelican case. And I called <laughs> it the taste case. Taste case. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, there's stuff like that. There's also like, you know, instead of having like, you don't rent a van, like your car is a van, like I mentioned earlier. That was a big way that we saved a lot of money for a while. Um, we weren't like running from green vans at the time or like that was like our... I mean, there probably wasn't a green van at the time. No, there, yeah, there definitely wasn't. But I think I remember like if we had to pay for renting a van on those first four or five years of touring, like we would have been out of there because it just would have drained us of all of everything, you know? And so now you guys are in hog heaven, right? You're in private jets. Rolling in the yeah, dome. I mean, we're, now that Champagne. We're ri- yeah, now that we're rich as fuck and fly everywhere, I mean... <laughs> you got a, a jewel-encrusted chalice full of caviar <laughs> a green room now that now that we have a yip production we, have, we all have teslas yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now i have now i have a tesla only eat green m&ms you got some yeah. real private stock shit in the taste case huh yeah <laughs> that's what's up lifestyle upgrades aside from those of you who obviously live here in the boston area you have some members based i live in new york <laughs> and justin lives in denver how has that kind of shaped the experience of, of doing this band at the level that you are? Well, like Justin linked up, uh, when was that, man? Late 2017 or early 2018, right? January of last year. Like you're yeah. the new guy. Yeah. I'm just happy I'm not the new guy anymore. Oh, yeah. There it is. Everybody, everybody is for a while until well, you're not. You know, it was like we were talking about this four weeks over the course of one year for writing this record. I mean, we had to do that for this. We couldn't get together for three nights a week for six months and, you know, bang our head against the wall. So that informed how we wrote. It's, it, it was a collision of, like, it would be nice to really focus exclusively on music, and this is our only, really, the only way we can do it, period, now that we have, you know, we're sort of spread out and more remote. Yeah, actually, when we were writing and recording Dust, I actually moved up to Beverly, from New York to, to do that just cause it was so intensive and we we're just playing three or four times a week. So it wouldn't have made sense. Sure. Um, sure. Sure. So definitely part of approaching this record in a different way had to do with me and Justin living nowhere near Boston. So we kind of, we picked this, a studio in Connecticut that a friend of ours owns radar studio. Uh, radar studio. Yeah. Just bunkered down for a week, just ate, slept and drank music. It was, amazing yeah it was hard to get used to at first because you know we've been writing records a real certain specific way for you know 13 years but looking at it residually uh it's certainly it was just another piece of the uh, doing it different puzzle you know and sure sure really did benefit well the, the record is clearly informed by that i think mm-hmm. when you listen to it and it's crazy because i at least personally I, there was no time where i was kind of burnt out on anything because the space, the sessions were kind of so spread out. So, you know, a lot of times you're like, we would be playing three or four times a week. And by like, you know, week five in a row, you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I have to go to rehearsal tonight. Like I just worked all day. I just had, I just dug a deep know, hole for Johnny Ash. Yeah. I just dug a six foot <laughs> hole with Johnny. Oh, was, by the way, by the way, yeah, Phil, right. Phil actually took my job. I, I used to work with Johnny when I lived in Beverly. Yeah. 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 So for the first time ever, I remember leaving like radar studios and being like, holy shit. Like I wish we could just do this all year round. Even when we left the other will studio and Contra Hawken, I was like, can we just record another record? And like, I, there's been other times where I've recorded records where I'm like, so burnt out on it at the end where I'm like, okay, 
I'm good for the next couple of years. But I think all of us, when we were leaving, it was like, we were all really sad. We're like, can we just do this and record here all the time? Like when is the soonest we can book some other time here and come back and work with Will and, you know, do a new record. We'd get together and we'd all make dinner together. We'd go out to the grocery store and kind of have our dinners, like take a break at this time every day. And we had a schedule set up and it was just something that I think brought us uh, even closer together as a band, even though we've known each other for so long. Just it's been, and we've toured together, right? But yeah, it's kind of like being on tour, but but writing in that in that kind of way was something so new to us. And I remember the excitement in the rooms when when things would click, and listening to what we had just recorded in the control room. And I, I, just, the memories of making this record through and through would be some of the most fond ones I'll ever have. Mm. How is the experience? Traveling from Denver to Massachusetts or Connecticut or what have you to, how's that been? Was that kind of what you envisioned when you signed up for this? Yeah, I mean, I've already been touring with them for almost 10 years. So I've been flying up here, flying to Europe with them. Oh. Justin did a lighting design for us forever, merchandise, jack of all trades stuff. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so I've I've been to Boston. So technically, a technically, times. he's not the new guy. But <laughs> since I don't want to be the new guy anymore, now he's the new. Fair guy. enough. It's he can just, be. It's a new rhythm section. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Lighting design, though. Talk about that. Where do I begin? How do you get into something like that? Mashuga. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Okay. I, the amount of times after a, a set that someone comes up to me and is like, "Man, your lights were incredible," and I just point him in this guy's direction it's 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 really impressive and now we're running to a situation where he's playing drums so he's got the task of uh automating it he's figuring yeah. it out he's actually yeah. doing every a ton time, of programming it's time. really cool way to figure it out. no one can like just have 15, one job in this 20. band um would you say that it's gotten harder or easier to keep this operation running or does it kind of feel the same um I, it's probably harder yeah keep um, more balls in the air not necessarily in a bad way but you know it's People get older, and it's just, it, it's 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 tough sometimes. You know, it's worth it. I think everyone has way more responsibilities now. Yeah, so it's a lot harder to pull away from those. It's more Momentum rewa- it, is a big yeah. It, well, it's more thing. rewarding when it ultimately works out. Yeah, but there's just a lot of wiggle room there where it's it, it can be tough, but um, not soul destroying by any stretch. You know, is it harder in the sense that like as you play bigger and bigger rooms, you kind of have to assemble a bigger team. Like you have to have a booking agent. Maybe you have a tour manager. Maybe you have like someone doing front of house. There's all these hangers on cutting into your profit margins. Yeah. yeah and we, helping. Yeah. We've, we have, well, I guess they help, but you it's, know. it's really just, it's too much. If you want to be successful, it's just too much stuff to do. Takes a village. Everything. It's a, it's a full-time job to do all of those jobs too. Especially we're in the, you know, we're in the midst of a record rollout. Even with the amount of stuff everyone is doing, it's just there's still so much stuff, so much logistics. You we're, know. we're grinding for sure, but yeah, yeah you got to like you get. There's just a division of labor that becomes increasingly clear the longer you do this. That there are people who are you know good at playing bass, good at, people who are good at playing drums, people good at managing bands, people good at booking them, and so it goes. You know, it's a bit hubristic, I think, to think you can do it all yourself especially with the overhead that you start accumulating over time. A lot of the times too, though, it's about leveling up what you're doing. You know, it's, you go from having, you know, Joe Schmo doing your lights at each venue who doesn't give two shits about who you are or what you sound like, doesn't know what you sound like before you get to the venue. And then we had someone like Justin doing lights for us who was knew every single note for every single song and knew where 
you know, the strobe light was supposed to hit and where it's not supposed to hit. And, uh, you know, you have to pay for those things. You, yeah. I you mean, have, if you want to, if you want to maintain yeah, that I level mean, if, of excellence, if you want right? to, if you want to keep getting better and keep making people's experience better. Yeah. You have to just keep leveling up. And most of the time that's not free. We were, uh, managerless for like a year and a half and we just got new management this summer and I can't believe we did that for so long without it almost, you know, just even though you weren't quite as active. I mean, just man, if we had tried to go into releasing this record without them, it would have been a shit show. I I think <laughs> to be honest, you know, like they've just really helped just pull so many things together that just slips your mind or whatever. I mean, there's only so many things that any one person can focus on at any one time, I think. Even, you know, even five or six people can have the same blind spot. Yeah. 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 Sure. That was Caspian. Their new album is called On Circles. It's out now. If you like any of what you heard, I will have links and info in the episode description, including to the Talking in Circles feed, so you can check the rest of that out if you like this. You can support this podcast with a small monetary contribution if you'd like at patreon.com slash sellinoutpodcast, or you can leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use to get your fix of that sweet, sweet content. Feel free to let a friend know as well. It seems like word of mouth and personal recommendations are ironically more effective for new podcasts than they are for new bands. You can follow the show on Twitter at sellinoutad, email your questions or comments to sellinoutpodcast at gmail.com. The photo in the cover art was taken by Nick Di Natale. Our theme music is by Such Gold. I have a brand new episode coming next week. I'm serious. I mean it. Until then, I'm Mike Moschetto. Thanks for listening to Selling Out. Selling Out.